I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Decrypt.co, this is Matthew Aaron. Today on the show, hacker sells $13 million of the KuCoin haul. Bitcoin influencer gets banned from YouTube. And I have a conversation with Ben Gentelli, the artist of Block 21, all coming up on the Decrypt Daily. Yo, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Today's September 30th, 2020, Wednesday, the day after the debate. I'm not even going to talk about the debate, my opinions, my feelings about it. There's enough going on on every news channel, every YouTube channel. Somebody somewhere, actually somebody everywhere, is talking about that damn debate. And I just talked about it, so I guess I am not excluded from that. But coming up today, I have Ben Gentelli, the artist of an amazing artwork. Now, if you haven't seen this, I want you to go down to the show notes and click on the link for on his website or the Decrypt article about this work, which I already covered on this show about two weeks ago or so. I wanted to talk about this again because, and again, I wanted to get him on the show because I love it. I love the art. I love the idea. I love the aesthetic. I love the effort, I love the story, I love everything about it. In crypto art, I think is one of the biggest growing spaces for blockchain and in use cases of a blockchain ever. I mean, things like super rare, NFT tokens, it's amazing. This is an actual physical piece of art, um, which I do love, my favorite kind of art is sculpture. So these are just big kind of sculptures, they call them blocks, but they look like coins and they're just, they're, they're cool. So I want to have him on the show. It's kind of not what I usually do. I usually make sure that I only do news, daily news. But every so often, I might just outstep my own rules and, you know, have somebody that I just think is super interesting on. And, well, that's what I'm doing with him. Before we get into that conversation, though, let's go to the crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Now I'm recording this at 3 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is at $10,702. Down 0.2% from yesterday. Ethereum 355.70 up 0.1 from yesterday. I, you can see the pattern here. Not much is going on. Litecoin 46.12 up 1.7% from yesterday. Chainlink 977 up 0.6 from yesterday. And XRP the same price as yesterday at 24.1 cents. Total market cap for all of cryptocurrency is $344 billion with a BTC dominance of 57.6%. Now I give you a big rant about why Ben is coming on the show and why I like his art. It's just it's just cool. Please check it out. Um, but also I want to tell you a little bit of story about getting him on the show. We had so much technical difficulties. I want to say thank you to Ben for sticking with me through over an hour and a half of technical dif- difficulties. His computer couldn't use Zencaster. We lost the first, we thought we lost the first recording on Zoom. We went and did Zencaster again. It didn't work. We went back to Zoom and we thought we lost it again. We actually scheduled again for tomorrow, but... They popped up on Zoom. The recordings popped up on Zoom. I have no clue what's going on. I just want to say thank you for an hour and a half of sticking with me to try to figure out how to get you on the show. And here is our conversation. What's up? (laughs) What's up? What's up? It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Finally, (laughs) let's do this. Let's record this. 
So what we're, we're talking about is we're talking about your art called Block 21 going on to Christie's on October 7th. It's freaking amazing. Please tell me the origin stories, my friend. Yeah, of course. So um, three years in the making, 12.8 million digits later. I used to work at Sotheby's in London. I got involved in Bitcoin in like 2015. And then I spent kind of more time doing Bitcoin than I should have been, I should have been doing my work. And I was kind of like, I was kind of frustrated. I kept looking around and working at Sotheby's, you, you had the privilege of, of kind of hanging out with some of the, the kind of greatest masterpieces of our time, but there really didn't seem to be anything of, of kind of scale or real sort of physical ambition that was made in, in this space. And I felt like it was, a, it was a really important story and an interesting story to be told around the kind of origins of Bitcoin. And I guess to tell it in a more intellectualized way and, and kind of in a more historical way than, than kind of what had been before. Like I just saw too many kids on skateboards shooting to the moon in a cartoonish style and, and just felt like that didn't represent Bitcoin well enough. I think art and culture has a fundamental place to play in kind of solidifying Bitcoin's place in the world and making it seem more serious. And so, yeah, so I basically quit my job. I sold my Bitcoin. I moved into an abandoned police station in, in South London. And I kind of like, you know, I, I kind of was looking around for, for kind of what I was going to do. And, and I guess all roads led back to this code base. Like we wouldn't be talking without this code base. Twitter wouldn't be on fire without this code base. Like it is the fundamental part of crypto. It, it, like without it, none of this would have happened. Um, and so it, it's kind of ground zero, I feel, for Bitcoin. And, and it kind of been overshadowed by the white paper quite a lot. So for me, it was like, okay, this is cool. Like, you know, there's 12.8 million digits of this. Like, we can do scale. Mm. That's easy. But I think more interestingly, it was like, well, what does this code base represent? And what stories can you tell around it? So yeah, so the idea is to, to decentralize this code base around the world. It's in 40 parts. So behind me, you can see one of the paintings. Um, mm -hmm. The first 20 are, are kind of already sold and decentralized around the world. They're in 14 different cities, you know, across the world, San Francisco to Tokyo. And I think that's testament to the to the kind of globalized nature of the Bitcoin community. So people who are listening to this don't know yeah. that this piece of art is right behind you. If you're watching this, you see the art, but can you describe what I'm looking at right now. Yeah, of course. So you are looking at a, a circular painting with a void, another circle outside of the middle. And then inside that painting is 322,048 digits exactly of Bitcoin's version 0.1.0, the code base that was compiled and written by Satoshi on his computers. Each painting is almost exactly the same except for the block number and obviously the code base that's on it. Um, but visually, they're, they're all equivalent. The work is kind of intersected by a number of cross lines and circles, and they kind of reference things like targets and um, constellation maps, cycle mm. wheels, and they kind of play with the, the history of cryptography, its associations with the military, but also like the kind of history of, of value. So, so the, the shape looks like a rice stone, and there's kind of a lot of thinking, and, but explore it on my website. There's a, there's a lot more to say about that. I saw that you had, drew some inspiration from a Polish artist, Roman Obalka. Well, so so some people say, what were you doing painting 12.8 million digits over three years? And um, <laughs> there was, it was, yeah, there were some lonely moments, but I had Roman around me in spirit. Yeah, in 1965, he, he kind of stopped all the work he was doing. He was making very kind of figurative work. And he basically got a canvas, put it on a wall, went to the top of that canvas and painted the number one. And then he painted the number two and then three and four, and you can see where this is going. And he, that was the only thing he ever did. And mm. he, he did it for, for maybe the best part of 40 years. Uh, he crap. got to something, I think like, I think he got to like 5,600,000 or something, which is like infinitely more digits than this. And the work in many ways is like, you know, he would finish a painting, he would start on the next. And so the work in many ways functioned in exactly the same way as blockchains do today. It was segmented into blocks, there was a sense of time because each one followed the next one consecutively. 
And there was also this idea of infinity. Like if he didn't die, he would have kept going. It's the closest approximation to an artistic sense of infinity that I think we've ever seen. And this idea that I will keep doing this until my death. You said that there's 40 of these and you said that 20 are already decentralized across the world. That's pretty cool that you did that, by the way, uh, just considering it's Bitcoin. And people like CZ and Jihan Wu, they have a, a piece of this? Yeah, so um, Jihan Chu, not Jihan Wu, but Jihan Chu is by far for me a more important collector to have. I think uh, Jihan, you know, he used to, he runs one of Asia's biggest blockchain funds. There aren't many people right at the top of the art market, uh, sort of the art world and the the crypto world. He, he used to kind of a high level art advisor and, and he sits on the board of many museums. So, you know, for him, he was actually one of the first people I reached out to and, and he kind of, you know, he was he was the proof that this was this was of, of value culturally because uh, there are not many people that understand both at a high level. He did. So so I owe him a, a major great uh, debt of gratitude. You know, he's a huge supporter of this project. You know, very quickly, it took me three years to make in three months, 20 of them had gone to 14 different cities. So CZ, Matt Rozak, Jihan, Sean Deej runs Digix, um, a number of other of crypto people, and then, and then kind of some interesting art collectors too. And I think that's the interesting mix. Like, this is not just, just a project for, for the crypto space. You know, it's, it's at Christie's now, and, and, and there's a good conversation to be had there about, you know, seeing Satoshi's code base for the first time up against many of the masterpieces of the 20th century, like, like the same pictures that, that I was looking at when I was at Sotheby's. And, and for me, that, that has come real full circle and, and is a lovely thing to know has happened. I want to I I ask you about your career arc. And excuse me if I offend you with this question. I got to ask it. You sold your Bitcoin. You bought a or moved into an abandoned place. And now your art's at Christie's. I mean, is this something that you were able to fund for this whole time? And then it, what what is it going to do to you as an artist financially and, you know, as an artist uh, once this is sold in Chris, Christie's? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, I mean, it was... It was like a big moment pressing that sell button. But I think it was like an important way to commit myself to it. And obviously like leaving my job to do this and, and like and then and then know that it was a, a two or three year project before I'd even know whether someone would be interested in it. There was definitely some kind of scary moments. Um, that was stressful. Yeah, I mean it was, but I think I was always like I was always united by this idea that like I knew that there was good I knew there wasn't much work in the space like that that was coming out and 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 like i also knew that like you know this is bitcoin's version 0.1.0 like this is like one of the most important historical documents of the 21st century like this is what unites all of us in our appreciation like this is why we're all here like this is why we're talking like in many ways like i was kind of like that kind of gave me strength like it was like this is this has historical value and, and, and it should easily translate towards people understanding it. So with with blockchain, I mean, obvious question next is going to be, is this going to be an NFT? Is So the work comes with an NFT. Oh, really? Okay. Dope. Yeah, I guess by the time it, I guess by the time the, the work comes, the podcast comes out, the NFT will be live on Async Art. So go and have a look at it. It's a cool NFT. It basically, it, it's an image of the work, but it's separated into two states, light and dark. And it's, it's programmed to the time zone of where the work is. So it has 24 oh, different, it has 24 sick. different states in it. So basically, the work is you know, block 21 in New York now. You can only view the NFT, the 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 real image of the of the work in on New York hours. So if you're in Singapore, you can't see it. Um, hmm. Once the work moves, say it goes to Seoul, then the collector could reset the clock and reset it to to their time zone. So in some ways, it's a nice way for the rest of the world to find out where the work's gone. But I think almost like I really believe that like NFTs are a digital medium and they, they deserve to be the work that should be on there should be digital. Like that's what makes sense. I think sometimes like making, you know, putting photographs or images of art on NFTs, 
like it doesn't really translate well. But for me, like doing this and then turning it off and then linking it to the physical work in mm. some ways, like in some ways, it kind of like draws into focus the fact that like if you turn something off, then you also ask the question like, well, it's always on, and like you know, the lights never go out on digital art. Like these things don't turn off. There's never day. There's never night. It's just like the computer is on and the lights are coming out. And and so hopefully, like by turning things things dark and being able not to see it, we kind of like can look at digital art and, and actually think, oh, actually, yeah, like this is on twenty four seven. So Christie's is October seventh. Once yeah. you sell, once you sell this, once you sell the the other art that you have you, I assume, are going to be going on to different projects. I mean, what are you going to be working on next? So, yeah, I mean, I basically, you know, I spent I had a lot of time thinking to myself uh, whilst painting all these digits. So uh, I've got a long, long list, and that's where I'm going. Um, I'm super interested in the NFT space. Uh, I still want to make a lot of physical work. So I think, yeah, like, good art is a slow game. This took me three years. The next 20 works in the series won't be sold over, you know, maybe two to three a year max. And so I'm going to go, you know, retreat back to my studio and you'll hear from me soon but i want to do something of, of a similar scale you know in the nft space you know one of my favorite nft platforms is like super rare are you ever going to start putting stuff on for like this normal mom and pop people like me to yeah, try to I mean, throw some at your way i think that's the beauty of it it's like you know these paintings like yeah of course like i couldn't afford one of them um right. and like, <laughs> yeah. you're not and, gonna see me at christie's bro and that's <laughs> all like and that's all and that and that's the sort of downside of it and I felt like, you know, I had to make this to a scale that like 40 works and then people could collect them. So there's a decentralized element to it. But like there are values now, which means which precludes a lot of people. And I get calls from people saying, can I get one? And then they kind of figure out the price. And, and that's a shame. So I think what the NFT space does, it like it really allows you to make work at scale that has value. But I think it can be at a much lower price point. And then you can build you know, a much bigger groundswell of people. And I think that's what kind of crypto does. And I think that's one of the reasons that like I left, I left Sotheby's and I kind of left sort of traditional art world behind is like the level of elitism there is is quite outstanding and i think what what crypto does is it really flattens and democratizes like you know one's ability to be an artist but also one's ability to kind of like sell work have it collected and, and transact at a lower price point which i think you know has just as much value as bidding for a work at christie's ben i want to say i want to say thanks very much for coming on and uh talking about your art and um man, oh, man. i'm gonna I hope we recorded this one. I, I hope that this one recorded too. Everybody, <laughs> this is the second time we're doing this and four platforms later. So, hey, man, I, I really appreciate it. Good luck at Christie's on the 7th. And I'm going nice to update time. everybody on the 8th of the price when it when yeah, it does if sell you're in, if you're in new york message my studio i'll set you up with a tour on saturday there's a there's a, a panel with some really interesting speakers we're discussing nfts at christie's check my live feed check my twitter you'll find stuff there come join the come join the conversation and in other news the hacker that stole 281 million dollars from kucoin sells 13 million dollars of it now a couple of days ago when i reported the kucoin hack I reported that it was $203 million. That is wrong. Apparently, it's $281 million. But the KuCoin hacker continues to launder the stolen crypto. To do so, the hacker is sending money through decentralized exchanges. But it's still possible to trace the funds before and after they've been sold on DEXs. So, if you want to know where it's gone, which I can't tell you all the details because it would just be a convoluted mess via audio podcast, click the show notes and read the article from Decrypt from writer Robert Stevens about where that money is being offed at. Bitcoin blockchain sees two stale blocks in one day. Stale blocks appear on the Bitcoin blockchain from time to time, but not usually in the same day. This isn't a red flag per se, but stale blocks can cause some issues. So you might ask, what is a stale block? 
Well, stale blocks are valid blocks that nearly become part of the blockchain, but nearly lose out. See, the blockchain operates on an underlying rule that the longest chain wins. As multiple competing chains get blocks added to them, they increase in length, all competing to become the longest. During this context, some blocks on the shorter chain gets left behind, creating stale blocks. One of the potential risks, though, of a stale block is that they can give rise to double spending. On January 27, 2020, a $3 double spend occurred out of a stale block. <laughs> Good thing it's only three bucks. But imagine if it was millions. That would hurt. I would love to know the odds of two stale blocks in one day. And finally, YouTube permanently bans prominent Bitcoin influencer DaVinci Jeremy. The decision is the latest in a strained relationship between the YouTube and crypto community. Jeremy has shared YouTube's decision against him on Twitter in the hope of getting his account back. And what was this decision? In quote, we have decided to keep your account suspended based on our community guidelines and terms of service. Clearly unsatisfied with this statement, Jeremy added, quote, I just hit you over the head with guidelines and I show you how you violated them because I don't want to get sued. End quote. What do you guys think? What do you think about YouTube banning or suspending people's accounts? Is that a violation of freedom of speech? Do you think that some accounts deserve to be banned? Send me an email, MatthewAaron at Decrypt.co. Tell me your opinions. Maybe if I get enough emails, I'll organize a show with the people who sent emails to come on the show to talk about it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Again, remember, please go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and a comment and subscribe. It helps us stay visible so people can find the news and also look for tomorrow's podcast. I have a very interesting show with Cypher Trace about their KYC report. Until then, happy hodling. <laughs>